Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, live cattle prices are at their highest point in eight years. Brenna Grant, the executive director of Canfax and Calgary, says the first quarter of 2023 was a good one for both cow-calf producers and feedlots. A smaller supply of live cattle in North America has forced processors to pay more for feeder cattle and slaughter cows. Breno will discuss prospects for the rest of the year. The aging demographic of producers may be the most significant issue facing the future of the livestock sector, but it's only one of several areas of concern. Other challenges include providing access to capital for younger producers, improving business risk management programs, and preventing the ongoing conversion of pastures into cropland. Suggestions include paying livestock producers for storing carbon in the soil, as well as providing a habitat for birds and wildlife. Representatives from the Cattle, Beef and Bison organizations participated in a livestock summit sponsored by the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan. Cattle producer Levi Hull will share his thoughts on the future of the industry. After the break, Brenna Grant. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Brenna Grant is the Executive Director of Canfax in Calgary. Brenna, thanks for uh, taking time to speak to us today. And maybe just let's start with the first quarter of 2023. And uh, all indications are it's been a good one for both the cow-calf and feedlot sectors. We saw fed cattle in Alberta reach new record highs in mid-March and are continuing to see one of the strongest spring rallies in the last 15 years as we are seeing leverage shift from the packer to the feedlot. Across North America, we see fed cattle supplies tightening up. So can you break down the numbers by group? Yeah, so cows um, here a couple weeks ago reached 132 per hundredweight. So that's the highest since September 2015. And for a couple of weeks there, it looked like we were going straight up, which is fairly exciting. And we got to remember that we're seeing cow slaughter in the U.S. pull back significantly from levels that we saw last year. We're seeing lots of concern both in North America, but also internationally about um, potential for recession. During recession, ground beef tends to perform very well with the consumer. It's a versatile product. So we're seeing lots of strong interest in lean trim, which is going to continue to support the cow market. Here in Canada, we've been talking for probably two years about food price inflation in general. We are seeing the Conference Board of Canada estimate that the average Canadian family is going to be paying over $1,000 more for groceries this year. And so a top of concern for consumers here in North America, but also around the world and in places where food represents a much larger percentage of their total income. 
In comparison, North American consumers where we sell Canadian beef, food is a relatively small percentage of their overall income, and we've seen some really good resilience in that consumer. But that definitely is a concern for beef demand going forward, is the fact that we're seeing inflation and that erosion of purchasing power for the consumer. And are we going to see the potential of demand erosion? Our challenge is demand information is lagged anywhere between three to six months in terms of indicators. And so, so much of that is hindsight that we can look at prices either stalling or softening and we can go, is that demand? But are never really sure until after the fact. So what about the price spreads between traditional meats like beef, poultry and pork? So we've seen a lot of volatility for all of them. In January here of 2023, we saw our retail beef prices in Canada right back up where we saw them a year ago in the first quarter of 22. And at that point in the first quarter, we did see beef relatively more expensive than pork and poultry based on historical averages. That really creates incentivization for consumers to switch at the meat counter. But last year in the second quarter, we did see price corrections and come back to our historical averages. And so as long as we follow that historical trend, we should be okay. For this year, we're seeing very strong price signals throughout the cattle sector. And so livestock price insurance is providing coverage levels above $3 a pound for calves, September, October, November. And I think that's a really good gauge for producers as they look to this fall. And every producer has to look at their own operation and their own cost of production to determine if that is something that they have the forage supplies and the labor and everything else to say, is that a signal to rebuild from reductions that occurred during the 21 drought? Or is that an opportunity to expand and a signal that they want to respond to to expand? Um, That is very much an individual operation decision. But there definitely should be opportunity this fall to rebuild equity for producers. Well, certainly it's uh, been a rapid turnaround following the 2021 drought for most cattle producers on the prairies, uh, except for those, of course, in much of the southwest and west central areas of Saskatchewan and parts of Alberta. Weather conditions certainly uh, looking better for western Canadian pastures and for hayland. When you think about 2021 and the drought, record high feed costs in the winter of 21-22, like you've got to remember, a year ago, first quarter of 22, we were importing corn from the U.S. because we didn't have it. We were seeing rail strikes where there was lots of stress for producers. Was that feed going to arrive? And so many implications in terms of having to switch to maybe feed stuffs that were more expensive but were more reliable in their supply. Lots of questions about what would happen for producers if there was a secondary drought. I've got to say, so much changed with rain last June. I call it a billion dollar rain last June for the prairies. That's probably underestimating the impact it had, not just financially on producers, but mentally on producers in terms of starting to turn that corner and then seeing in the second half of last year, supplies really starting to tighten see that leverage shift happening that has really changed producer sentiment 
today from where it was even six months ago before producers had sold calves and seen that check clear the bank. 2015 was record high prices. So the fact that when we talk about we made new record high prices, all of our comparisons for previous record highs occurred in 2015. And it really is when you think about super cycles. So we have the cattle cycle, but we also have commodity super cycles. And that's sort of where you move to a new price level. 2015 was like the failed super cycle that we didn't quite push through that glass ceiling that when we look at where we're set up today not just for beef but for pork and poultry as well we really need to push through for a true super cycle to end up at a new price level. Brenna Grant is with Canfax. After the break cattle producer Levi Hall shares some of his concerns for the livestock sector. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. A livestock summit in Saskatoon gave producers from all walks of life an opportunity to share their concerns. Levi Hull, a young cattle producer from Willowbrook, Saskatchewan, shared his thoughts at the conference. We run a cow-calf operation, calving about 1,300 cows and background, some feeder cattle. We're making a transition at our place. Custom feeding some calves, running our own cows, buying some, I think is a lot easier than running these mama cows. Grass is all over the place. We're hauling cows, you know, 60, 70, 80 miles some way, one way directions to, to get to grass, and it's just a lot of work. And we have up till this year, we really haven't seen those returns. So we've been struggling on our operation to, to figure it out. Mom and dad are getting older, hired help. That's one thing that uh, I'd really like to bring to the forefront is the temporary foreign worker program isn't working for our industry it's laxed we need some help there we live in a society today that it's cooler to be a youtube star than to calve cows and you'll find it even in the grain sector it's it's going to get difficult as well Um, we're seeing 16 and a half thousand dollar class 1a licenses nowadays who's going to be going in to go to be a truck driver that's what it cost us. You know, there's some funding through it, but still that's, you know, $3,500, $4,000 out of our pocket. There's those things that we're going to see in this industry that are, are going to be, you know, very, very much on the forefront, whether we make it or not. I was a little bit concerned that we were just preaching to the choir. I would love to see a bunch of your guys yesterday still being able to be at this meeting to hear the concerns of the livestock industry and, and how integral it is to be together. We get a lot of straw from the Probilskis. It's so important to our business and you know can't thank them enough. I know a lot of people that cannot get straw. And it's, and it's so simple. I go back to the same thing I said. Every cow that leaves this country is one less bid on your feed grain. Well, any given year is 30 to 35% of your entire production goes into feed grain. Never sees human consumption. Those cows are very integral to this. I'm an advocate for you guys because I need you for my barley, my oats, corn. We feed a lot of corn. We need you for straw. We need you for, you know, even um, screenings or, or byproducts. We need you for that. So I I encourage you to do the same for us because I'm not going to lie to you. I sat in that chopper a long time this year. We chopped just over 15,000 tons of silage. I had a lot of time sitting in that glass box to run numbers. And I could have ran our entire operation as canola and, and wheat 
and not have to fed cows this winter, but that wouldn't help you in the long run because you're going to overproduce the canola. You're going to, you know, the more cow guys we lose, the more in, you know, increased production we have in the canola acres, the wheat acres, you know, all those acres, overproduction, you end up with lower prices. So fight for me to stay in the business and because uh, I love I love what I do I'm I'm uh, mom and dad are at home feeding cows they're 63 64 years old they shouldn't have to do it but I'm here fighting for the industry and I wish we wouldn't fight so much within the agriculture industry because we have other people that are trying to get rid of us and whether it's environmentalists decreasing the ability the chemicals that you're using on the grain farm or animal rights groups we're fighting those people as well we should be promoting what we do as as agriculture not fighting between so other than that thanks to the group for today and we have a lot of lot of things we can do um, when it goes to government we can align ourselves with that side of things a lot of things that I heard today we're doing with Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association, so reach out to our association too, and we can sit down and have further conversations. That was Levi Hull, a cattle producer from eastern Saskatchewan and a director with the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. He spoke at the APAS Livestock Summit in Saskatoon. Here are the top agriculture stories for the week of April 10th, 2023. Louis Dreyfus Company announced it would double its canola crush capacity at its Yorkton, Saskatchewan facility. Construction of the additional canola crushing line was expected to begin later in the year. LDC initially opened the Yorkton plant in 2009 and currently employs approximately 120 people. The facility's new capacity will be over 2 million metric tons. The Canadian Poor Council expressed its disappointment in the federal government accepting restrictions on access to products in the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, or CPTPP, that were put forward by the United Kingdom as part of the terms for it to join the deal. René Roy, a pork producer from Quebec and chair of the Canadian Pork Council, said the UK is relying on misinformation and spreading misleading statements on Canada's pork industry as a non-tariff trade barrier. Similar to the beef industry's concern with the deal, Roy says the UK is refusing full access to its market over one point. In pork's case, it's over a false assumption that growth hormones are used in Canadian pork. CPTPP Working Groups is finalizing the deals and timeline on the process before the UK can join. It would require ratification from the Canadian Parliament. One of the big banks is making a major donation to agricultural research at the University of Saskatchewan. BMO is investing $2 million in the fields of regenerative agriculture and digital ag, Part of the money will be used to hire a research chair in regenerative agriculture and establishing a new soil analytics lab. It will expand the current capacity for characterizing soil carbon and nitrogen dynamics, which is a cornerstone of quantifying regenerative agriculture impacts. 
The Prairie Provinces announced they would be working together on transportation corridors for the movement of products. Saskatchewan, Alberta and Manitoba signed a Memorandum of Understanding. They're planning to cooperate on improved interprovincial highway and rail networks and harmonize regulations for businesses, industries and shippers. The fate of Winnipeg pea and canola protein processor Merit Functional Foods won't be confirmed until the end of April at the earliest. Merit was placed into receivership on March 1st. According to the first report from receiver Price Waterhouse Coopers, an information brochure circulated to some of the prospective buyers. A definitive agreement is expected no later than May 12th, Court approval granted by May 26 and a deal closing not later than May 31st. Merit security creditors include Export Development Canada, Farm Credit Canada and CIBC. The Canadian Grain Commission is also running an audit to see if Merit still owes any money to farmers who delivered crops to the plant. The Western Grains Research Foundation elected its new chair. Laura Ryder of Radisson, Saskatchewan, will replace outgoing chair Dr. Keith Degenhart. Kevin Ock of Carmen Gay, Alberta, was re-elected as vice chair. WGRF is a farmer-funded and farmer-directed non-profit organization investing in agricultural research. One of the largest players in Canada's organic sector sold its organic farm in Saskatchewan. In 2018, Nature's Path, a Vancouver company that makes and markets cereal, granola, oatmeal, waffles and other foods, bought about 5,000 acres of land near Camsac. The operation was known as Legend Organic Farms. It produced crops up until last fall when Nature's Path sold the land. In March, Nature's Path liquidated the remaining farm assets. The organic food company sold tractors, combines, trucks and other farm equipment in an auction. The decision by Nature's Path to sell their organic farm is part of a larger trend in Canada's organic sector in the last few years. BASF Canada Agricultural Solutions is launching a new community investment program offering rural farming communities a chance to share what matters to them. Community members will have the chance to rally around and raise support for their local organizations. Nominations will be judged based on criteria, including alignment to Canadian agriculture, as well as building safe and healthy communities through diversity, equity and inclusion, and developing future leaders in agriculture. Out of the 15 finalists, five from each province will be selected and announced for public voting to select one winning organization in each province. Voting will be available throughout Canada, with the three winners to be announced in June. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to tell your friends and subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.